Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. How many of you like tests? How many like exams? A couple of you. Yeah, a couple of you. A couple folks uh, like Reese, Anna Grace, kids that don't make B's, they like tests. Um, but most of us don't, but they are good for us, right? They spur us on, they motivate us to study, uh, to practice, but mostly they let us know what we've learned. Have we mastered the material? Have we developed the skill? Are we competent or not? And we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is doing this to us also, is he not? He's giving us an exam. He's helping us to a pretty thorough process of self-examination. He teaches these beatitudes, and he's holding up a mirror to our hearts, and he invites us to evaluate ourselves in light of them. And it's been, it's been heavy, hasn't it? I don't know about you, but for me, it's been, uh, it's been heavy, humbling. It's good for me to think about my heart. Jesus' standard is high, isn't it? How do we measure up? And if you're not careful, you can get kind of resentful, or you can see it as threatening or something not helpful to maybe our self-worth, self-esteem, and whatnot. But Jesus is doing this, so it must be a good thing, right? And I'm excited. I'm, I'm thankful for His Word. But it humbles us, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, a man who is truly Christian never objects to being humbled. So in our humiliation, let's study. We're in Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible, pick up that black pew Bible, page 962. We're on Beatitude 5 this morning. The first four Beatitudes, verses 2 through 6, deal with not completely, but 
for the most part, deals with our vertical relationship, our relationship with God himself. Starting in verse 7, it speaks to how we respond to others, our horizontal relationship. And remember, these are the keys to the kingdom. These, these are the attitudes that ought to be. Those who see themselves as spiritual beggars, who are spiritually bankrupt, those who are grieving over their sin. Remember that grieving, that godly sorrow leads us to repentance. And the one who's repentant, repentant has, uh, is approaching God. But not only is he approaching God, but he's approaching man with meekness and gentleness. And this humility leads to more progress as the humble saint who was declared righteous as he repents is now desiring for more righteousness in his life. The believer desires, hungers to please God, to be like him. And the next three attitudes that ought to be are really descriptions of how this righteousness plays out in the heart of a Believer, Again, there's progression as we move through these attitudes that ought to be, each attitude building upon another. As we said last week, those who hunger after righteousness, those who desire to obey, it leads us to a, a progression of wanting to be merciful to, to others. Let's read this section, chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. Seeing the crowds... Jesus went up on the mountain, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And our text today, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, Five things today we'll point out. First is mercy defined. What does it mean to show mercy? What does it mean to show mercy? Being merciful is to be compassionate. But it's not just to feel compassion, but is to be actively compassionate. It's not so much about the feeling as it is doing something about that feeling. Are you, believer, are you compassionate? Jesus told a parable, not the one that Morgan read. I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment, but it was the parable of the Good Samaritan. Do you remember that parable? A lawyer who was testing Jesus, he asked Jesus what he must do to go to heaven. Or another way of asking that same question, what must he do to receive mercy on the day of judgment? Same, same question. Well, Jesus asked him, what does the law say? And the lawyer gave a perfect answer. He summarized the law. He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? So Jesus tells him, well, do this. Love God, love your neighbor. Be merciful to your neighbor, and you'll have eternal life. And the lawyer seeking to justify himself, he asked Jesus, well, well who is my neighbor? Who, who do I actually have to love specifically? So Jesus tells them the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, to explain that the neighbor is anyone who is in need. The story goes, a man is mugged, and he's left to die. He's beaten and bleeding. And three men walk by and see the victim laying on the ground. First was a priest. He saw the victim, and he walked on by. 
Next was a Levite. He saw the victim. Again, he walks right on by. And then a Samaritan came by, sees the victim, and helps him. Luke chapter 10, verse 36 through 37, Jesus says, Ask the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? The lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says to him, you go and do likewise. And the emphasis there, I think, is on go and do. See, to be merciful means one is moved to pity and to go to relieve someone of their misery. It's to have compassion and to make the case of another his own. To be merciful means there's a willingness to forgo personal ease, interest, or gratification to make others' life easier. It's to pity, but it's pity in action. Mercy relieves the consequences of sin. Now think about it. The Samaritan didn't know why the man was beaten or left for dead. The Samaritan didn't think he might have deserved this beating, so I'm going to let him be. Maybe he had it coming to him. That wasn't the attitude, was it? In fact, the two religious leaders, and they're mentioning the story, you could kind of, I guess, compare that to maybe a pastor, maybe an associate pastor of sorts. They were preoccupied, weren't they, with with other things, with maybe dotting the I and crossing the T of their religious life, and they walked on by. They didn't see the need. They had no heart to respond with concern, and they gave no effort to bring relief. They weren't merciful. And of all people, the Samaritan, the one who was supposedly at enmity with the Jews, he was the good neighbor. He loved his neighbor as himself. So who's the neighbor? Well, you could say the neighbor was the, the victim, the man in need. But then you might say, well, who was the good neighbor? The good neighbor was the Samaritan. He had mercy, didn't he? Compassion in action. Jesus, he called Matthew... As I was studying, I remember this incident where Jesus calls Matthew's tax collector to follow him. And, and when he does, Jesus gathers with other tax collectors and sinners, and he's having a meal. And the religious leaders were so appalled that Jesus would spend time with such sinners. Couldn't believe it. Matthew chapter 9, verse 12 through 13, Jesus responded, "'Those who are well have no need of a physician.'" But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire what? Mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Being merciful, it is a, a spirit of kindness and benevolence which sympathizes with the suffering, with the afflicted. Being merciful is summarized in the, the phrase, weeping with those who weep. Do we weep with those who weep? Do we mourn with those who mourn? Are we, are we merciful? 1 John 3, 16 and 17 speaks to mercy. 
By this we know love that he laid down his life. Man, that's a, that, that font right there is awesome, isn't it? We can read that. That's great. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? The merciful doesn't close his heart against the needy. Are you merciful? Well, who should you said, well, you asked me, am I merciful? Well, who should be merciful? Well, let's think about that for a moment. The, someone who is merciful, it's a result of first being poor in spirit and grieving over sin. See, one who is merciful, it's a result of someone being born again. We forgive because he first forgave us. We receive mercy. We experience mercy, and so we're merciful to others. In the, the parable that Morgan read, Matthew 18, it's the parable of the unmerciful servant. Now, in the broader context, that parable is sandwiched between Jesus' teaching on church discipline and the, and the topic of divorce and remarriage, and both issues involve forgiveness. And kind of a, a hermeneutical principle there, when we study the parables, we always ask, what's the main point? What's the, the, what is the point of the parable? And the main point of the parable is that there's a debtor who has been shown mercy, so he is expected to be merciful in return. So the question, who is to be merciful, is those who've received mercy. This parable illustrates the principle of Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. A familiar text for you. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Familiar, right? Yeah, you've heard me say this, and you said it. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, Isaiah is not talking only about God's omnipotence and his omniscience. He's primarily in the specific context talking about forgiveness. Verse 6 and 7, the, the verses prior to this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So the, the context, God has compassion and will abundantly pardon. And then Isaiah goes on to say, his ways aren't our ways. And our ways aren't his ways. How is that? Because left to ourselves, the carnal man, we don't forgive easily. We're not merciful on our own. The lost person isn't compassionate. Again, this is a supernatural work of the Lord that's, that's taking place all throughout these Beatitudes, right? It's progression. It's a, talking about the, the keys of the kingdom, the attitudes that ought to be. To have biblical mercy comes from having first received mercy ourselves. So the answer to the question, who, who, is, who is to be merciful? It's the believer, they're the one who can be merciful and the one that's expected to be merciful. Just some random commands. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. 
Love one another with brotherly affection, outdoing one another in showing honor. It speaks to being merciful. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Another way of, of expressing that we are to be merciful. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. That's mercy. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Yeah, Be merciful. Show mercy. And these commands are the last three that we read. Who are they given to? Paul wrote all these letters. Who did he write it to? The church, to believers, right? Yeah, who's to show mercy? Those who've received mercy. Believers, born-again believers. Right? What are some examples of mercy in the Scriptures? There's many. I, there's a couple. Abraham, we talked about him last week. Abraham, he was merciful to his sorry old nephew Lot, wasn't he? You remember Lot? We told, talked about that. He, there, there wasn't enough land to support their flocks. Abraham was wealthy. Lot was wealthy. And their servants began to quarrel. And they said, we've got to divide. So Abraham said, hey, why don't you just choose whatever land you want and you can have it. And of course, what did old Lot do? He chose the best land for himself. Genesis 13, verse 11 through 13, tells us about this incident. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. What's he doing? Cozying up to the Sodomites, right? Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And the result of him choosing the best land, and he cozied up to Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened? Well, when kings went to battle and they warred against Sodom and Gomorrah, he was taken captive. What did Abram do? How did Abraham respond? Lot didn't deserve to be rescued, but Abraham had mercy. He had compassion, which led him to take his men and his servants, risking their lives to save sorry old Lot. He was merciful. Christ... Of course, is merciful, isn't he? We opened up our service, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, describing Christ as our high priest. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Same word there, merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Christ, he is mercy, isn't he? He is merciful. In fact, the early church... The first three or four centuries after Christ's ascension, whenever the parable of the Good Samaritan was expounded, they always said that the Good Samaritan was Jesus. And why is that? Because he's merciful. The cross. The Father sent his Son. And his Son willingly went to the cross. He was Killed, he suffered the wrath of the Father for sinners. He was buried. On the third day, he rose from the grave. You can say the cross equals mercy. He is merciful. God is merciful. He is a merciful God.
examples of mercy. Believers are called to be merciful like Christ. He's our exemplar. We should seek to emulate him. But I want to give a word of caution, if I may, concerning mercy. I was talking to a, a sister recently. She told me of a, a compassionate friend of hers. She did animal rescue, and she would fundraise and raise a lot of money and drive great distances. She was telling me about she made this trip to Michigan to take in some animals that she had heard about that were in need. And she went on and on about the great work this friend did and the importance of it. And I would say there's a, a place for that. Scripture tells us, Romans chapter, I mean, uh, sorry, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10, that a righteous man cares for the need of, needs of his animals. There is a place for that. But this friend of hers, whom I knew, who was so compassionate to animals, wouldn't go across the yard to help her elderly neighbor who was destitute. True, she and her neighbor had had their differences, but could we say that she was merciful because she cared for animals but could care less about one of God's image bearers who was destitute and lived so near? I don't think that is the mercy Jesus is referring to here in this passage. And you say, well, pastor, come on now. You have to have a heart. Well, I do. I have a heart for animals. In fact, if you come to my house, I've got a horse I have three baby lambs, two types of pheasant, two types of quail, chickens, dogs, a cat, and they're all fat and happy. I take care of my animals. I love them. But this mercy, blessed are the merciful, it's mercy for those image bearers who are in need. Also, another word of caution, to be merciful, which we believers should be, does not mean that we are not concerned with justice. We have to be careful, don't we? There's a balance. God is merciful, but He's just. He's concerned with both, and we should be as well. And I want to read this quote to you. It's from John Piper. I couldn't put it better. He says, God's will is that sometimes we recompense people with what they deserve, whether punishment or reward. That's justice. And God's will is that sometimes we recompense people with better than what they deserve. We call that mercy. In upholding the claims of justice, we bear witness to the truth that God is a God of justice. And in showing mercy, we bear witness to the truth that God is a God of mercy. So for us, being merciful doesn't mean we overlook sin and neglect our responsibility to deal justly with those who need correction. For instance, a parent should be consistent with discipline. We know that's true. We tell these young, young moms and dads that have little ones, we little ones running around. It's like, be consistent. Be consistent in discipline. But that's true, and that's important, isn't it, for us to be consistent and teach our children how to obey. But a parent also can forgive a fault without discipline to teach a child what it means to be merciful. We can do that too, can't we? Grandparents are all going, yeah, we can, we can, right? A business owner, somebody that has their own business or someone who's a boss can be good to his employees, being merciful to them, giving them just pay, and not only that, at times giving them bonuses maybe they don't deserve. Yeah, they can do that. But a business owner can also terminate someone for not doing their job. That's true as well. 
What about church? We as a church, we should be merciful to hurting brothers and sisters, bearing with them and overlooking offenses. But, according to Matthew 18, we also at times need to bring that person under discipline and even disfellowshipping them if need be. And the hard part is, God doesn't give us a formula. Oh, Lord, give us a formula. Tell us exactly when and where and how. And, uh, that's the hard part. He doesn't do that. But he does tell us to be merciful. And he does tell us to be just. And sometimes we get it wrong, and sometimes we really do. We get it wrong. But we need to seek to be merciful. But we need to be just as well. And that's God in his infinite wisdom. He knows we need that struggle, doesn't he, Dave? Because what do we do? When we don't really know what to do, we don't really know how to handle the situation, what do we do? Nevea, we draw near to the Lord. Man, and isn't that what he wants us to do anyway? And through it, we're sanctified and we're made more like Christ. Just a couple words there of caution concerning mercy. And lastly, the blessing of, of the merciful. Who is blessed? We said this tells us who the blessed person is as we walk through this. Who's the blessed person? It's not those who have no trouble in this life, but those who are merciful to those in the midst of trouble. It says, for they shall receive mercy. Now that happens now, doesn't it? I mean, if we're born again believers, we've received the mercy of God, right? Yeah. Kayla is a born-again believer, she has been reconciled to, sinful Kayla has been reconciled to a holy God. Josh has been reconciled to a holy God. He's not an enemy of God. Now, God calls him his friend. Yeah, he's experienced the mercy of God. Miss Jane, because she's repented and trusted Christ, because of Christ's work, she is a co-heir with Christ. Rodney has been sealed with the Holy Spirit because of his faith in Christ, and he's guaranteed eternal life. That's mercy. We experience that now. We, we experience the fellowship of the Lord because of Christ and what he's done for us. And so we, we wallow in his mercies, and we experience his mercies, right? I mean, think about some of the experiences we have in life. You're not doing your job. You're not working diligently. Instead of being diligent and earning your pay, you're sending your pastor Facebook posts and messages. Don't do that. That's a pet peeve of mine. As I'm sitting at my desk studying, I'm getting Facebook messages. Boop, 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 boop. 14 in one day, I'm like, man, did you work on Tuesday? Yeah, I worked 10 hours. No, you didn't. You got paid for 10, but you only worked a couple. Um, maybe you're doing your job, but you're not doing it well. And maybe you made a, a, a terrible mistake. Maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe you just hadn't been doing your job, and instead of being terminated as you deserve, maybe your boss been merciful to you, and, and you, you've hung in there. And you know what? You just got a promotion because two years ago your boss didn't can you like they should have. You experience, we experience the mercies of God daily, don't we? 
His mercies are new. What's the scripture say? Every day, great is thy faithfulness. Yeah, you, you're driving too fast on Candy Lane. Sunday morning, coming to church. And you get pulled over by one of our servants in the community. And instead of you having to pay that $92 court cost fee that it's going to cost you, he says, hey, go on to worship, slow down. It's not what you deserve, is it? That's mercy. Mercy. Yeah, we experience those mercies every day often, don't we? Mercy is the blessing. We experience those in the past. We've had experienced those in the past. We experience as believers. We experience those every day. And then we're going to experience mercy. I think that's primarily what this is referring to. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And we've been saying that all along. The blessings that we're given, they're here. They're, they're present day. But, but a lot of them, for the most part, are or what's to come, right? Because this is not what it's all about. It's about being with Christ in the new heavens and new earth where we're, everything's made right. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. See examples of this. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. This is a prayer. May the Lord grant him to find what? Mercy from the Lord on that day. The day being what? Day of judgment, right? And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Yeah, the Paul's praying that Anisiphorus would, on the day of judgment, would receive mercy. And Jude 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And maybe another word of caution here, when we read this verse, some of us have a tendency to think, well, this is merit, this is... I have to be merciful so the Lord will be merciful to me. And that's, we're putting the cart before the horse. Why are we merciful to anybody? Because he first was merciful to us. Why do we love? Because he first loved us. So our acts of mercy, they're not meritorious in the sight of God. I mean, had that been the case, Christ would have said, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain justice, right? We don't want that. No, we want mercy, our mercy is not the cause of God's mercy. It's not that we have to show mercy to receive it as much as it is that those who have received it will pour it out on others. Right? And we look forward to mercy on the day of judgment. What about you, just by way of application? We're, we're landing the plane, so to speak. God is merciful. We sang about it. I'm so thankful for these folks who put all the music together and get it all ready and folks doing sound and video and all this. They, do, they pour in a lot of hours, do a lot of good work for us. They serve us well. 
And they, they chose these songs, and we, it's all about the mercy of God, all about the mercy of God. And we sang it, and we saw it in the Bible, and we saw examples of it. Let me ask you, have you re received mercy from God? Have you received mercy from God? Have you seen yourself as a spir spiritually bankrupt person? Have you come to the point where you realized you have no hope, you have no help? Christ is your only hope. Have you saw your sin the way God sees it? Have you grieved and have you had sorrow and that godly sorrow lead you to repentance? Have you cried out to the Lord for mercy, asking forgiveness, repenting of your sin? If not, if you've yet to do that, I want to encourage you to repent. How does God relate to you? I asked this question last week. God relates to you one of two ways. God is, relates to you either as your Savior, you've received mercy, or He relates to you as your judge, you haven't received mercy. If you can't say that God relates to you as Savior, I want to encourage you to repent. That's the command that sinners are given. Repent and believe. So I encourage you to turn from your sin and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. He, he died. He suffered God's wrath for sinners. He was buried on the third day He rose. Do you believe that He did that for you? Are you trusting in Christ's work for you? If not, I want to encourage you to repent and believe. And for those of us here who've received the mercy of God, He relates to you as Savior. You relate to Him as your Savior. Do you, do you have someone you need to be merciful to? Is there someone mourning that you need to mourn with? Is there someone in your life that you need to have active compassion towards? And someone maybe in your mind pops up, but you think, well, they don't deserve mercy. They don't deserve to have things made easier for them. Who does? I don't. If they deserved it, it would be called justice, not mercy. A couple of ways you can show mercy is by fostering a child. Do you have a, a spare bedroom in your home? Do you know there are children who are destitute, who have parents who either don't want to or can't care for them. Would you be willing to open up a, a bedroom in your home to foster a child? Would you be willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of someone who is suffering? Do you need to sponsor a child through Compassion International? Give financially to someone who is suffering? Do you need to help the neighbor you've been quarreling with, the co-worker? God wants us to be merciful people. One of the best ways 
to show mercy, I, I think, is doing the things we've just talked about. And, and for many of you, if you're a believer, there's something that's coming to mind. A person, a, an incident, a situation that you can help with. You can be the hands and feet of Jesus with. But I think one of the best ways to show mercy is by taking the gospel to the lost. Jesus, what did he do? He saw Jerusalem. He wept over Jerusalem. Because why? Because they rejected him. And we have so many people in our world that's rejected Christ. And they are miserable and they are destitute. Yo, is there a, a person that needs to hear the gospel in your life? A co-worker, a friend, a family member, a, a neighbor? Apart from Christ, people are hopeless, needy. Do they deserve you to spend your time, invest your time in them? No way. No one does. But they need it. They need it. Let's be merciful. Let's be a merciful church. And for each of us, we have different situations in life, different people in our sphere of influence that we can be merciful to and situation we can help with. But God calls us to be merciful. So let's go and be the church, the merciful so we, too, can receive mercy. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge you are mercy. And the church, we want to emulate Christ and have your heart for all people in every situation. But, Father, we're lacking and we're needing help we ask for your help, your grace, that we would be a merciful people. That we would be a helpful people, a compassionate people. Father, our world, they so need for your church to be merciful. Father, I pray for the, the brother and sister right now as they're thinking about a relationship and they're just... Not sure how to be merciful. I pray that you would help them know how to be good to that coworker, to that friend, to that neighbor, to that family member, to that spouse, to that parent. I pray that you would help us be merciful by sharing the gospel, even this week, with those who need to hear it. Father, we're most of us are surrounded by lost people day in and day out. Give us a, a heart. A, a, give us a heart of mercy. Help us be compassionate, but Lord, help us to be active about helping people. Help us be a soul-winning church. No better way to be merciful than that. Father, do your work in your church. Discipline us. Help us to repent and help us to walk 
in obedience. And Father, for those here who've yet to experience your mercy, they're lost and you relate to them as judge. Father, I pray that you would help them see themselves as spiritual beggars. May they be broken, grieved over their sin. May you grant them repentance and faith today. Thank you for being a merciful God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.